the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Deb Hutton is here, former advisor to two Ontario premiers. Pavan Brach is a serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development. Scott Reed, CTV political commentator, former advisor to a prime minister, and in for Jerry Yegar, I believe, today, yes? I am indeed, yes. I'm going to shake up his audience. Boy, are they going to get a dose of large L liberal? Oh, no. <laughs> I, just, I always love my texts that say, can't wait for Jerry to arrive. <laughs> All right. We wish Jerry well, incidentally. He's getting his knee surgery today. So I hope that goes fantastically well. And I know he's going to be very happy to get back up on a, on that knee. Okay. So let's start. And you know what? I, I think you guys know I like discussions about sort of the free rights of individual citizens who live in the larger context of the urban environment. And by that, I mean a Burlington family that cultivated their lawn to be a butterfly paradise. They actually said they spent considerable amounts of money to prettify it, and there wasn't a weed in the mix. But the city said, nope, this is all too tall. It's unsightly. Clear it away, or we will. When they said no, the city went in and cleared it away. Uh, Deb Hutton, your thoughts on this? They say it was a butterfly paradise. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt governments can overreach in rules and regulations. I'm I'm someone who usually, you know, is against that. But my God, like having some form of decency when it, it comes to your lawn and what other people have to look at, I think is within this sort of contract that we have in our communities. And if you don't like it, move to another community or for goodness sakes, go out in the country and go wild. But you shouldn't have to look at what are essentially weeds across your front lawn. Pavan, it, it all hinges on what kind of community you live in. I certainly remember there was one on the island of Montreal called Westmount, which is a bit of a Tony enclave, where the city inspector would follow delivery trucks around to make sure that the windows adhered to the city's decorative laws. So clearly there's got to be a line of where the city can step in and where neighbors should butt out. Yeah, yeah, I think we've we've long lost those standards. We don't seem to be enforcing anything. I mean, you can drive with a fully tinted windows these days and nobody stops you. No, I, I don't know. I think I think we have to change our views a bit. I, I have as much lawn as the next person or maybe more because I'm in the country. But, um, uh, you know, uh, I think these folks were making a, 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 you know, a deliberate approach of uh, versus just letting it go um, and and being a, an irresponsible landowner to to create something that was beautiful that, uh, you know, we don't need to necessarily belch out all that uh, all those fumes from lawnmowers they're growing probably uh, plants that support uh, the the bees and all the rest of it that are that are endangered so i think if it's a deliberate act i think we need to look the other way and and i have to tell you frankly i find the story a little bit hypocritical because the city of burlington itself uh, you know doesn't cut back its own uh, shoulders and its own roads there's there, you know we have a situation in a neighboring town called kilbride where the city of Burlington is responsible for actually keeping the weeds and flowers from growing over onto the roads and off the shoulders so that you can actually walk safely. And uh, and they are, they're allowing actually their, their trees to grow into the lanes. So while Burlington is busy cutting these poor people's lawns down, I think they're, they're missing the boat on just basic maintenance and safety on their own. Scott, every neighborhood has a character. I remember growing up that there was somebody not far from our house who put a split rail fence in front of their house, which for whatever reason seemed to preoccupy my mother a great deal, but we never complained. Yeah, and that's what it is. Eh? It's a complaint-driven 
process. I mean, that's that's municipality. So one person complains, and the next thing you know, guys with weed whackers show up and they uh, demolish your front lawn, um, or they clean it up, depending on your view. I'm kind of a lawn fascist. Like I <laughs> cut my lawn religiously. I trim the hedge. I refuse to buy an electric trimmer. I do it by hand. Um, like I, you know, so. But on the same token, my next door neighbor, their backyard, and mercifully it's fenced, is just a gigantic ocean of raspberry bushes and wildness. So, like, at least as high as these photographs. And I've never thought about complaining. Now, the fence helps, but I think I come, you know, firmly down on both sides of this issue. But I think, on balance, if someone says, you know what, it's not just letting the grass grow while I sit in a lawn chair and smoke menthols, uh, then I'm okay with it. (laughs) Why menthols? Well, you know, classy. (laughs) Okay, Justin Trudeau posts a picture of himself with his uh, teenage son wearing pink, going to the Barbie movie, and the world comes to an end. Let me start with the guy who's worked in the Prime Minister's office. Um, First of all, do you buy in, Scott, that Justin Trudeau did this deliberately to provoke people to make them make asses of themselves, or is that <laughs> overthinking it? Uh, yeah, it's not. I do not buy that. Now, the prime minister has a certain approach to social media. So lots of photographs with him with people, you know, him with family, um, hops on trends, all that kind of stuff. And it does uh, stir the pudding of a bunch of his haters. Um, but like this, we like he's just doing this to bait us, and it's like, well, then don't be baited. Then you know, if if you're cognizant enough to say we're being baited, then surely you're cognizant enough to say, I'm going to put the phone down. I'm going to watch like you know season 13 of Blue Bloods or something, and just chill out. Uh, Pavan, let me turn to you on this one. And in particular, I find it hilarious how people are always obsessing over Justin Trudeau and his social media policy and his apparent vanity. And now they can't shut up about Pierre Polyev in a T-shirt. <laughs> well, you know, listen, this, you know, these guys just can't, they just can't stop. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous how, how people are reacting, I think, to this. You know, I'm not a fan of his nibs, uh, of Justin Trudeau, uh, but uh, my goodness, you know, I mean, the guy dresses up in pink or peach or whatever it is that he's wearing and, and goes out to see a movie. They've, they've been baited and they've been hooked and it, it's just embarrassing. My, my only challenge now is that I have to find a way to hide the picture of his son for my daughters because, my goodness, uh, you know, he's... He's grown up to be a handsome young man. But no, I think it's all much ado about nothing. Okay, and Deb, you'll get the last word on this one. Um, it it wasn't even subtext. I mean, people were just basically, it was homophobic. It was, uh, it was rude and stupid. People are rude and stupid. Like that's the bottom line here, right? Like my social, I'm not a big social media person. I, I use Instagram and Facebook really to keep in touch with friends, mostly around my kids. And it is full of people wearing pink, Dads, moms, kids, doesn't matter. That's what they're doing. Everybody's posting that. Justin Trudeau took his kid to the Barbie movie. That's what he did. And the fact that people are reacting negatively to it is unbelievably embarrassed. And to Scott's point, there is no way this is baiting. Like I, I remember back in government days where we, 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 we wished we could be that smart, the way people <laughs> would say, here's your, this is the strategy. It's like, my God, I wish I had thought of this stuff. This is a dad taking his kid to the most popular movie for kids this summer and showing 
showing a picture like everybody else. So maybe this next topic is too close to this because that's like a case study. But uh, we talked to a professor earlier on the show about the rise of polarization and extremism in Canada. Um, Pavan, I'll let you take this in any direction. It's an interesting study that she's written. And I, I, Tim Hudak was on the show earlier this morning. and He said he thinks things are going to get better. I think no way. This is just the future. Yeah, it's 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 concerning to me. I you know it worries me a great deal um, as somebody who's born and raised in this country and who loves it just as much as I think everybody else on this panel and listening. But you know, it's sad to, when the Canadian flag, which which would fill me with pride and emotion, is now is now become such a kind of a a symbol that's associated with with such radicalization. And uh, and uh, you know, we definitely. I was surprised to hear the author uh, on on the earlier interview talk about how she didn't feel that foreign actors were involved. I do think foreign actors are obviously leveraging uh, our social media platforms, uh, and it's not just in Canada. Obviously, it's in America significantly. It's uh, it was around the Brexit time in in England and the UK and uh, sorry and uh, and and in Europe. So it's happening everywhere, and I think fundamentally our three national leaders have failed to stop this and on the contrary i think they've they've obviously i think cynically have leveraged this polarization i don't think it's a it's a well-kept secret and uh we're not seeing leadership from them and and for them it's power at any cost whether whether you're elected by those who hate or or those who hate the people that hate it seems so uh, we we need to see some change and some leadership from them okay and deb maybe we're obsessing a little bit too much about social media because if you take another case study of whether or not there's polarization take doug ford i mean he just is basically a policy guy. He does not reflexively oppose Justin Trudeau, for example, because he's a liberal. Yeah, and and I'm a bit torn on this one because I believe polarization in our political system in Canada has been here forever. You know, how many times do you hear uh, journalists over the years say that the Conservative Party is dead in Canada, the Liberal Party is dead in Ontario, and it never happens. And so I think this is not unique, save and except one thing. And that is the social media component. And so I think uh, polarization has always been here. It always will be here. I do believe because of social media, that becomes uh, into the area of extremism. And that is the part that's worrying. And while social media is not brand new, I think it is new enough in our political cycles, which I believe we have, um, to, to make it somewhat troubling. But I think we will course correct and adapt. But this notion that you know we are more polarized than we've ever been, I just don't buy into it. I do think we're more polarized than we've ever been before. And I think that that's because of social media. So I mean, I, I, I looked over Stephanie's report. From my perspective, some things are causes and some things are symptoms. Um, just to harp over and over again, like we have been on social media, I think social media is different. Lots of other things become triggers. You know, COVID obviously changed the conversation. It had many, many impacts. But I think that social media, the ability of people to connect, to be able to create a self-reinforcing community, I think think it also catalyzes action. It used to be if I wanted to get my 
you know, blood up and go hate somebody. I had to like send a letter to 20 friends, say, let's meet Tuesday night at eight behind the Odd Fellows Hall. Then we had to get there. We had to complain. We had to figure out what we we're going to do. But then we had to go home and go to work the next day. Now I'm connected with those people all the time. It reinforces all my negative biases. Plus, I get farmed, not just by social media giants, but also by political professionals who see that's a shortcut to um, getting people to vote, getting people to donate, getting people to be active. And so I just think all of that stews together in a way that both motivates what's there, but then enlargens what was there also and emboldens it. The one thing I would say is social media is now going through, I think, a profound change. I think, you know, Twitter and X is turning into something no longer connects as many of us. I think a lot of the conversation is altering. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that we're unplugging from social media, but I think it's morphing in a really significant way. And I don't know what that means going forward, but it definitely feels to me like the next 10 years is going to be different than the last 10 years when it comes to social media. Thanks to all three of you. Great discussion. Pavan Brach, Deb Hutton, and Scott Reed. Scott Reed is in for Jerry Agar from 9 to noon today. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.